Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Howdy, Doug. Hola, Doug Benson. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to say Mellard. It's Thursday, February 4th, twenty. <laughs> 21 little friday have you ever heard of thursday called little friday no this is the first isn't that a great name for it <laughs> i like it i hear oh. wendy williams say that today <laughs> uh oh man she'd be a great guest on the show but that's not who we've got today we've Ooh, got a, a dude with a new new podcast that i'm not going to listen to wait a new or nude i don't know <laughs> I don't know what the, if it's clothing optional, but I know that it's new. Okay. And um, I, I don't listen to podca podcasts. <laughs> you listen to them, Doug? Uh, I don't know what a podcast is, but I'm Willie open Willie Mel, do you listen to podcasts? Uh, yeah, when I can. Which ones? Uh, it's kind of all over the place. And I, I, I am one of those people that does get into some murder stuff, or I like to learn. But I, I kind of, I tend to listen to a lot of music, too, because... Yeah. Uh, music, I can that. still work on stuff. Podcasts, listen, I have to be focused. Yeah, but listen to podcasts when you can. Like, it's just there's no, there's less when you can time. Right. Now that, uh, you know, we don't have to drive long distances or... Uh, right, yeah. You know. That that was a big time when I would devour stuff. Right, and commutes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, John Gabris is our, our guest today, and he's super funny, and he'll tell us about his new podcast. It's called Action Boys, and I think, I think they sit around and skewer one at a time classic action movies. Cool. Or even shitty ones, I guess. I don't know. We'll talk to him about <laughs> it, and, uh, but I, I think that uh, that sounds like something you would... Uh, I, I love this concept already, yeah. Yeah, so I think we'll have fun talking about it. Let's go to work. Hello, John Gabris. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. I always forget to ask. Uh, I'll know when it's time for me to talk, right? And then I guess uh, you, you're a pro. You just say my name as the yeah. first split yeah. second of the pod, and I'm in. No, we just jump right into it because what we do is we cleverly record, you know, almost Mark Marin style, <laughs> a uh, – a uh, little, little, little <laughs> opening exchange where we talk about who the guest is going to be. 
in this case, we were talking about how much one of us loves you and the other one does not care for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I want to figure it out on my own. But the guest doesn't episode. know about that part. You know, it's like we, we talk shit before we even meet them. No, we just, uh, you know, so we, we, we could just jump right into it when the guest uh, uh, arrives. Because Thank we've God. Already, we've already set up. And it's when not I'm... a very elaborate setup. We called you. <laughs> what did we say about you? We said you've got a new podcast. Doug's particularly interested in the uh, premise <laughs> of your <laughs> of your your podcast, Action Boys. Yes, uh, it's funny. Thank you for not doing that with me sitting silently on the podcast, which I feel like a lot of other hosts do where they're like, we're just going to do a little thing up top where we hip fire about you for 40 minutes and then yeah. we introduce you. So yeah. or, or sometimes you pop on and you're just shooting the shit to like catch up for a second. And, and then you find out they've been recording. They're like, no, we're on right now. That always catches me so off guard. Oh, uh, you get Pete Holmes out there. Yeah. 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 All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Hate that. Um, so action boys, tell us about <laughs> great title, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. When I, when I started my podcast, high and mighty, the first or the second episode was me and my two buddies talking about the movie predator yes. because I had a situation where the three of us were at birds post show one night drinking. And we talked about predator for like 90 minutes. And both of these guys had seen the, uh, YouTube documentary, uh, like if it bleeds, I think it's called, which is like a behind the scenes hour long video about Predator. And it's got really fun insight and interviews and stuff. And they were seeing that. And so we were just going unbroken for an hour about this one movie. I'm like, we should do this on High and Mighty. Then we did it a few times on High and Mighty. And we were like, Patreon started coming up and we were like, we should maybe get part of that. Maybe I could spin off this into a whole nother podcast and then cut Ryan and uh, Rogers in on uh, the money. And then it turns out it's niche and people like to talk about seventies, eighties and nineties action movies. Ooh, we do yeah. three hour episodes about uh, 80 minute movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of bullshit, a lot of, t you get your money's worth, whether or not you like it as a, you know, but just like pure minutes per dollar, you're getting your money's worth. <laughs> I love it. Action movies have been my kind of go-to in the pandemic, just because you don't have to think and rewatching old eighties action movies. Boy, wow, what's going on there? Commando? Oh, man. That's one of my favorites, yeah. Good um, God. It's not to be, uh, but like the last four years with Trump, you realize like action movies inspired way too many attitudes of 50 and 60 year old and 70 year old men out there. Oh God! Like these guys all grew up. Like they all, all think they're Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, Bruce, you know, uh, John Wayne, Bruce Willis, no matter how, how, whatever age they are, myself included, but I'm not a political leader. Who's like, no, a good guy with a gun will save the Capitol. You know, like these movies, I think ruined society in an interesting way. <laughs> Well, it's just funny how like every old disaster movie, if you watch them now, the vibe is just very much, you know, the the rich just want to get richer and they don't care who gets hurt in the process. Just, yeah. just the, the <laughs> oh, theme God. over and over again. And yet no, nobody seems to be learning that lesson, you know. A, f a fun thing is the president is a character so frequently in action movies and revisiting action movies with art our former president and thinking about like what if uh air force one was trump like how funny that like oh god like 
24 did the thing where they had a black president before Barack Obama and it was like, oh, cool, interesting. And that we've seen like asshole scumbag, pre- like, but the, the role of president cannot be cast in a more insane way than we actually did in America for four years. Yeah, no, Terry Crews in yes, Theocracy is not as silly as what actually happened. President Camacho <laughs> is actually more grounded than our, our situation. Uh, John, you describe yourself uh, on Twitter as a big hairless baby. That's correct. And um, oh, oh, this is working out perfectly. It sounds like you're really good at uh, answering questions. <laughs> because uh, that's what the show is now is it's basically just getting grilled by a couple of guys named, uh, Doug. named Doug but you are one of those I'm super jealous of your Twitter and Instagram handle uh, being just your last name it's just Gabrus yeah and that, was a, that was a big victory for me yeah, and you um, say that also people have just adopted calling you just Gabrus instead of John. Also correct. I'm crushing yeah. this. Why, why do you podcast. think people <laughs> – why do people do that? Why do people I just start calling somebody pretty unilaterally their, 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 their last name rather than their first name? I think it's definitely common amongst people like, you know, older generation, like my generation and older, because we were all like, I'm born in 1982. I would imagine also 10 million other Johns, Mike's, Brian's and Doug's and Josh's were born in 1982. Like those names that are just common white dude names that like, uh, you know, parents wish I had four Jonathan's in my junior high. And to date, all four of those dudes now go, have been going by their last name since 1994. Like, cause it was Osner, Youngling, Gabriel. We were literally called the Mikes and the Johns. There was like a few Mikes and a few Johns that were all friends. And we had a, we were at a lunch table called the Mikes and the, they called us the Mikes and the Johns. This is fascinating because I'm thinking of Johns that I've known in my life and they do tend to be called by their last names. Yeah. It's cause uh-huh. it's, it's just too common of a name, especially when shit opens up to comedy and then it's like my buddy John, and then you're like, "Who are you talking about?" <laughs> like, there's, there's just so many of us named John, and so many, so a lot of. I think it happens a lot with Mikes and some Daves, and a lot of these names. If if your last name is one syllable, you get the you get the two names. Like if your name is John oh, Doerr, yeah. John Doerr, you know what I mean. Like people will, if it's two syllables, it just uh, one syllable each. It seems easier to do both. Like no one really refers to you as Doug Benson. People either call you Doug or Benson, but. Uh, if your name was, you know, Ben's, I think everyone would just call you Doug Ben's. Because <laughs> people get like, it's just easier that I know that a lot. I'm trying to, th- <laughs> I'm like, I know a lot of people that I can give you examples of and then cannot back <laughs> that statement up at all. <laughs> David Huntsberger, uh, Dave, obviously I, I call him Huntsberger or Burger. So that one checks yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of those. Uh, yeah. Even like my co-hosts of Action Boys uh, are named Ben Rogers and Ryan Stanger. So like there's tons of Bens and tons of Ryans in comedy, in life, in every, you know, every classroom they've ever had. So they're guys who go by Rogers, Stanger, Gabrus. How often does it happen to women, you think? I think less so, I'm assuming. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head that any women that are just kind of typically referred to by their just their last name. Yeah, it's frequently uh, a term of endearment. Like the, I'm trying to think of comics like Koo. Esther Koo is maybe the only one I know that people call, like refer to her as Koo. 
Yeah. But that's because that's branding and a very cool name to have. Yeah, no, she encourages it. <laughs> yeah, she encourages it. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't think there's a lot of people who are like, Cummings, what's up, baby? You know, like, <laughs> crush... <laughs> you crush it. At... <laughs> you crush it out there, Liebman. I'm thinking of my favorite female comics. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I'm just rifling through the names and I just like, you never... Because also... It is also a thing about just to, it's less confusing, you know, so since there's already less women, maybe yeah. like if a woman becomes more famous, then you could start referring to her by just her first name. Right, right, right. You know, but there doesn't seem to be a, like a last name stage where like she's just one of the gang and you just refer to her by your last name. Yeah, maybe like Whitney and Chelsea maybe have earned that, like where you kind of know who they're talking about. They did have their first names in TV shows. So that like certainly helps that uh, pro progress along. But yeah, I also, yeah. I, I think you're right, Doug. It's like sort of an indictment of the comedy industry more than it is. It's full of Johns and Mikes because it's full of fucking white men. It's like, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Cause every John and Mike, that was the funniest guy on their fucking lacrosse team from every high school in uh, America <laughs> decides to do comedy. Not to oh, size yeah. too much. I mean, any, any white guy comic who doesn't think white privilege has something to do with them becoming a comic is insane because because <laughs> it's that it's that level of privilege. It's like just feeling that good about yourself that you could get up in front of people and think think it's going to work and think they're going to laugh. Those first few times you get up there, you have to have such such fucking nerve. And you're just so used to getting yeses and positive responses your whole life. And <laughs> also I'm blessed to be in a place where it's like, I didn't have to take over my dad's factory job or some, you know, I was able to just, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. coach improv and live in the New York city. Like I was able to just pull that off and my parents didn't support me, but I definitely had like my parents paid for most of college and get, you know, set me up to, for the opportunities. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't put, it, I wasn't in line for anything. There wasn't any to, anything for me to take over, or, or uh, no really, really a trade to learn. You know, yeah, it wasn't like when you turned eighteen, your parents were like, if you go to college, you let down the family. We need you to stay here and till the fields. <laughs> but yeah, I, that is to. some people's lives. Yeah, we, we're not. We're having a rough patch. We need, we can't afford you to go to college. Plus, we really can't afford a pool guy to come by and. Uh, so you got to stay home and be a pool. Sweep the leaves out of the pool. <laughs> Your parents are rich enough to have a pool, but can't afford to send you to well, that's I mean, that's Southern California life right there. It's like we had a big house and a pool, but we didn't have the money for, for college. It was crazy. Uh, I didn't realize that you're from Southern California, Doug. Yeah, I grew up in San Diego and in a part of San Diego called uh, uh, El Cajon was where I went to uh, high school and and our, our home, like we moved from, I wouldn't say a nicer part of town, but we moved from a night, you know, just an area that was like newer. We moved to a, you know, found it like kind of a bargain fixer upper, a giant house in El Cajon. And I grew up, I spent like six years in that, in that house, maybe a little more. And um, it was just ridiculous. I, 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 it was weird. I kind of like without the, all the other trappings, you know, like we didn't have a butler or, you know, a pool person or any, anything like that. Uh, it was still just such a sweet setup for to, to grow up. You know, I can't complain about it. So many, it's all. just more houses have pools out here. No, it, like 
on Long Island, there's tons of like a fair amount of above ground pools, which I think is like the most upper middle class thing you can have where it's like, I could, I, I don't mind looking at like four feet of blue tarp year round in my yard. If I get to like sit in it for the two hot months out of the year and pretend like, you know, I live at a resort. If you had a built-in pool on Long Island, something you only get to use two or three months out of the year, you were like elevator in your house, Rich. Like that's like a special <laughs> thing. But it's, it feels like in Southern California, especially like with the proliferation of like apartment complexes that have pools, it feels like pools are, I remember when my friend was like, I moved to this apartment has a pool. I'm like, Oh my God, that's fucking insane. Holy shit. It's like, this is like in 2010. I'm like, it's gotta be like $4,000 a month. He's like, bro, you wait till you come out to California. Every fucking shitty apartment <laughs> has a pool. I'm like, I can't wait. And of course I have the one apartment that doesn't have a fucking pool in the middle of the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Could have used that one. In our case, it was more like we just had a house we couldn't afford, you know, and just sort of, uh, got by there for uh, you know a period of time but uh you know it was it was it was too hard to sustain like when uh my brother moved out they like you know rented out his room you know that that kind of stuff was going on now, but, I, uh, also i was going to ask doug uh, were your parents my parents were very much like this so i'm curious if yours were do they do you know about how rough things were financially for your family? Because they constantly told you as a 10 year old or 12 year old, my entire, I was like, I do not need this stress of how much it costs to have a house when I'm going to soccer practice. Like, I, like <laughs> my parents, I was so keenly aware of how much things I owned cost as a child. Cause it would, you got your fucking $50 air walks on you, you know you can't go out in the fucking rain johnny you know it, I, that's like the shit i would hear and it's like i would be so afraid to say i lost my i lost my jacket once which i knew i would hear about forever so i instead didn't say anything and went to school in the winter like for a month with no jacket and oh my god teachers called my mom like in like a way almost like ready with cps yeah to be like he never told us he lost his jacket. And then I come home, I'm like, why didn't you tell us you lost your jacket? I'm like, I lost my jacket. Then I get yelled at for like two days about it was $110 because you had to have a quick silver jacket. Because you, you asked for a starter giant check and I got you a knockoff one. It's like, All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, now I realize I've just been talking for like three minutes. I'm broken. Sorry. But <laughs> TLDR, Doug, did your parents complain about money in front of you a lot? Either, Doug. This question's for both no, me and Melly Mel. No, it was it was clear that my dad did, was upset at how much uh, everything costs all the time, and was <laughs> you know always worried about money. And my mom was the you know at least openly to us kids, me and my brother. She was like everything's cool, don't worry about it. Like she was really <laughs> wanted to give us everything we wanted. So as a result, we did get a lot of what we wanted just because. You know, she'd win in the end and he'd just like, you know, continue to be uh, frustrated. <laughs> uh, yeah, my parents were like that kind of blue collar rich where it would be like blue collar like mentality where it'd be like my dad would get, you know, a lot of overtime before Christmas and have a but and blow it all on like a hockey goal and a basketball hoop for <laughs> us. You know what I mean? Like, and then bitch about money for the whole year. Like the second we they had money, it was like, we're driving to Florida for 14 days or whatever, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> like it instantly, like 
you know, just bad with money and poor, like visibly hindsight. I've learned a lot in therapy and being an adult uh, on my own these days. <laughs> no need to share it on the worldwide of Doug's. I don't know why I'm getting into it now. <laughs> I, you know, that's the thing is when I travel by myself as an adult man, I, you know, am always like, Oh, this is expensive. This is costing too much. This is, but like when you have a family, Oh. And you're, you know, like our family, we went on so many vacations. Like I, I, I would never, I, I just don't know how I would even deal with just being the person that's there with a whole family and every single expense is right. know, funneled through you, you know, just flights. Like uh, we never flew because my, uh, until we were in our, until I like, I was 21 or 22. Did I ever go on a plane with my parents and my family? Uh, Cause my mom was afraid to fly her whole life. Uh, but she took fear of flying classes uh, at JFK and eventually, Why? eventually That's got a thing? it was a thing. Apparently it was a big, <laughs> my mom, my mom is like a great eighties and nineties mom. Cause it's always like, was, did you briefly hear about this suburban trend where <laughs> my, well, Joanne Gabris was fucking part of it. Like uh, <laughs> Tupperware, you know, like anything that was like uh, weight watchers, slim fast curves, like anything that was like geared, like my mom just did it all. Like even now she's like, yeah, yeah, all that shit. She's like 60 something <laughs> and she's plays pickleball, you know, like whatever yeah. trend comes through for her generation, she just gets on board. Um, and she took this fear of flying class. And, and this was when I was, old, I, I was like 16. She was taking this class 17. So I was old enough to like roast her for it and like understand that it was, I had flown, like I'd flown with a friend to visit his grandma in Florida. So I'm 15 years old and I've flown more times than I've seen my mom fly. She flew to college the one year that she went to SUNY Brockport. She said, the le I remember being 1999. I'm 17 years old. She's like, the last time I flew, I smoked a cigarette on the flight. And I was like, oh my God. And then my mom eventually got over flying and we turned into this phase in our life. When I was 20, just in college, my mom started going to like the island. She couldn't, she was afraid to fly more than three or four hours. And we were a beach family. So we would just g fly to different all-inclusives at different <laughs> islands, like the Bahamas, Aruba, all that shit. Like every Thanksgiving until I was like 30, I was going on like family vacations. Cause we had, we, our, ours just came like 10 years later in life than it did for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so I have like all these like, and I have two younger brothers who, by the time we're going to the fucking, we're going to Puerto Rico, we're, we're 21, 26, and 28. And we're sharing a room at an all-inclusive beach resort. Oh we're like on spring break, but we're eating dinner with our parents. Like, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> the vibe was why I intend to eventually make a show or a movie or something about 20-something, uh, like, being a kid on vacation. <laughs> It's such a fucking like upper middle class thing. Cause it's like, I can't turn down a trip because I haven't gone anywhere in my life yet. And the, I don't want to be 25 with my dad asking the waitress how to pronounce different far. You know, it's like humiliating <laughs> when you're a young city hipster, but you also, I can't afford to fly to fucking <laughs> Dominican Republic. So I'll go. <laughs> God, that's, that's uh, with my brothers at that age. I think it would be a lot easier now, but at that age, it's such a weird age for everybody. Yeah. It would be like a party at times and then all out fight at times, maybe. 
You are you're a hundred percent correct. <laughs> <laughs> I could speak directly to one time. My mom tells this story. Uh, she was like coming back from like somewhere uh, from breakfast to go meet us down at the beach. And she comes by and there's a huge crowd of people around like this fountain that's in the center of the property and people are screaming and there's like, it's a huge ruckus. And my mom is telling us, telling the story to people. And she's always like, so I push my way through the crowd to see what all the shenanigans are about. And what do I see? And it's, she sees her three sons who are age from 21 to 27 belly flopping in the fountain of his hotel pool while like, a hundred people are cheering us on. <laughs> like, oh my god! And my mom's like, "Jesus Christ, it's our sons!" <laughs> like, and we're—I'm a grown man. I'm like—I'm like objectively too old to be doing that, and I'm doing it. And my mom is yelling at me at dinner for it. <laughs> Good. Um, oh, who, who of the three brothers is the floppiest? Uh, I'm the fattest, but my youngest brother, who's probably—we uh, have—we have like the three different cartoon body types like my <laughs> my middle brother is like ang anxious and shredded and full like you know like six pack all that stuff but very thin and and muscular then my youngest brother is like a bodybuilder he's like huge bulky and defined and then i'm like this the third the you know retired left guard physique where i'm <laughs> broad shouldered but i'm 300 pounds so the three of us have very distinct it is fun like and we're all six foot two, or I think my youngest brother is six, three. So, and my dad was six, five and 250 pounds. So we would be the biggest, whitest people in all these places we were going. So like, we just instantly draw attention and be like, we'd get on the scuba trip boat and we'd be f the four biggest goons there. And my like, you know, and we're like, diving off the roof of the, we're like, can we go up to the top floor and jump into the ocean and the, scuba guys are like yeah i mean sure and we just go and like being like crazy ass adults man i'm really reminiscing here and uh, this is something i should do on zoom with my family not on the worldwide dogs <laughs> well that's the question we always ask before we start to get more into uh you and your life is uh dougs have you known any and what's your impression of them in general I've, I've known a number of Dougs throughout my life. Uh, my early on Dougs were a, a goofy name to me. Like if someone was named Doug, oh, you yeah. know, it was like being named Bud or Dale or something. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it's a comedy name. It's, yeah. Sure. It's a, definitely a comedy name. It's like, Hey, Doug. It's like my yeah. son, Doug. He fucking oh. likes ninja swords. Oh, you know what well, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, great. Here comes Doug. <laughs> right. It's got, it's got a connotation, but over the years, the Dougs I've met as an adult, the, the Dougs I knew in school were Doug and Dougies were always in my head. And maybe it's just the word itself. were like doughy face guys. They all had like chubby cheeks and kind of smiley guys. Maybe it's an Irish, like, uh, it's a like white ruddy face kid name anyway, <laughs> uh, like nationality wise. So a lot of the Dougs, I knew that, but now like one of my good friends is named Doug, Doug Mand. He's a writer, screenwriter, oh, yeah. comedy. He, he yeah. wrote uh, most likely to murder. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Great. Yeah. I love that movie. He, Oh, I, I'm a big fan of that movie as and well. And he's hysterical in it. Oh yeah. And he's the, and he, and he was like nervous about being an actor in this movie and he's fucking, he's like the funniest part of a pretty damn funny movie. Uh, What's yeah. the movie called? 
most likely to murder. It's uh, him and his writing partner, Dan Gregor, wrote it together and then Dan Gregor directed it. And it stars Rachel Bloom, Dan Gregor's wife, and uh, Adam Pally, Dan Gregor and Doug Mann's best friend. So that's like, <laughs> that's how I met all those guys, like through them. I did like sketch with Doug Mann and Adam Pally on Ben Schwartz back in like 2004. Oh, and wow. I became tight with that Doug. And he's kind of been my definitive you know when you know like when you have one good friend with that name that name is instantly either good or you know what i mean like oh tyler that he must be a fucking liar like because the one <laughs> tyler you know is kind of flaky like the doug i know is such a good friend like an adult male friendship that like like so to me doug is such a warm name now it carries a different I, I connotation feel like his, his character in most likely to murder would seem like a Doug. I feel like he could have, like, I don't remember what yes. the character's name is. More was. like a Doug than he is personally, for right. sure. Yeah, he, <laughs> I see what you're saying. In the movie, he, like, plays drums and, like, do, does, like, YouTube drum tutorials and yeah. in the Philippines. <laughs> and or has something. an it's, awful it's real, fucking mustache. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> real goofy, weird character. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. All right, well, coming up, coming up after the break, it's called Five and Five. Doug Mellard has written five questions. I've written five questions. We've not discussed it with each other. And we are going to ask them all to you, of you, <laughs> John Gabris. Well, based on how I answer questions, this should only take about 90 minutes. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was just thinking this might be another one. We, we had a show a few weeks ago where we didn't get through the 10 questions because there's no, you know, it's no rule we have to get through all of them but uh i was just thinking that you you do give good answers so this might what i just give nine passes pass next <laughs> pass <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll, we'll 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 do that when we come back we'll be right back as a professional welder shana ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills the more muscle memory that you have the smoother your weld is Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. Doug, would you like to ask the first of your five questions first, or would you like to go second? I forget which is better. <laughs> it, yeah. Does it I, matter? It, it, the only reason it could matter is if you overlap in any way. So... Maybe it yeah. is better to go first. Well, we don't know. We don't know yeah. if we're going to overlap. We, ha we haven't done it yet, which yeah. is crazy. And if we do, then you'll answer the goddamn question twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can go first. All right. Uh, here's my first question for you. You were on a program on television called Younger. Correct. Next that question. Wasn't, that wasn't the question. <laughs> that was not the question. <laughs> Just setting up the question. Um, how stupid talented is that Sutter, Sutton Foster? If I can say her name right. Sutton yes, Foster. Sutton Foster. Holy shit. And here's the highlight, because I'm not really 
a theater person. I'm not that informed. I enjoyed working with her so much. And I was like, I barely know who this woman is. I barely know what she's from, but she's so good. She seems to be plugged in and everyone really likes her. And she's really talented and charming. And I just then eventually like, you know, after shooting two episodes and feeling like I'm going to be on the show more, I'm like, let me Google my co-stars. I Google Sutton Foster and I'm like, Tony award winner, like all this shit. And I'm like, I've been, I've been talking and that's how, uh, also a testament to how cool she is. I've been talking to her for like, you know, six working days at that point and hadn't picked that up from her. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, she's so charming and she's so confident and like carries herself. So and it's like all that just retroactively makes total sense. Yeah. I saw her in uh, anything goes on Broadway and there's like a 20 minute tap number that she also has to sing during, and then when it's over, she has to continue with the play. Like, that's you know, fucking, like it's, not, it's not like the big finish. It's like early on, <laughs> earlier on in the show. And, that's like uh, an athletic feat, if you ask me. As someone yeah. who gets like out of breath if I like try to take a hit of weed in the middle of a story. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I can't imagine <laughs> tap dancing, singing, memorized lyrics. Like, I'm like I could barely handle any of that shit at its at one time. Yeah. So anyway, so that was just, I just wanted confirmation on how great she is. Great. <laughs> All right. My first question, because you played fireman Kurt on Brooklyn nine, nine, <laughs> does that count as being an essential worker? And you've now had your vaccine. <laughs> Interesting. You should ask. I have not gotten my vaccine yet. I have Tried hanging around, you know, Universal and Fox lots and being like, I am Fireman Kurt after all. <laughs> but uh, the, I will say the one thing is uh, after I was Fireman Kurt in the Brooklyn Nine-Nine season finale and then the summer of the, you know, uh, kind of defund the police, uh, Black Lives Matter, right. that, the, that summer of movement happened. And I was just sitting there going like, this is not the right time to be thinking this, but if they have to rewrite a bunch of the cop stuff, they might want to bring back some of the firefighter characters. And I was like, <laughs> how does this protest benefit me career-wise? <laughs> well, I'm like, I got to back out of this thought process. <laughs> but I'm out here. If you're listening, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine writers, <laughs> let's lean into the firemen this season for safety. I could use a few more guest stars. Let's go. I'm trying to get that insurance, dog. I mean, that show must be crazy fun to, uh, you know, do a guest spot on. I thought, I, I know a few of the writers, but not any of the cast members. And I thought it would be like sort of intimidating. And because, the, you know, I'm also, this is anytime I get to guest star in something, it's always really exciting for me. And it's very rare. But in this case, this is kind of par for the course for me. It's the last week of season uh, five, episode 20 something. They know they're getting picked up for another season. Like, uh, they're celebrating all week long where it's like we got food trucks every night and it's like I'm there to do a line a night but I get to be there for everyone that's a season wrap on blah 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 you know cheering and like tearful come on and I'm just the guy John you know fireman Kurt who has five lines in the episode I'm just there at all these teary goodbyes while everyone's <laughs> eating from different food trucks going hey thanks Sandberg we love cool house cookies you know like all this shit. <laughs> and everyone was so nice and also because they were full-on like last week of school me guest starring they were like they you know there was no 
onset drama. Sometimes you drop into that in tw- week 20 of a show or something. So it's so uh, everyone was just so on like checked out on vacation. And um, I just had a fucking black and uh, Melissa was actually pregnant and playing pregnant and pretending to give birth. And I spoilers, I am like there to deliver the baby. And I have like, a woman I met that day on my hands between her legs and she's actually pregnant and I'm screaming push at her. And it was like, she was such a sport and she was so funny and cool about it. I mostly worked with her and Stephanie, uh, the, uh, the female characters and they were both so cool on and off. Like they were like, Oh, they came up to me and introduced themselves to me when I was like sitting quietly at video village, which is like not common for people who are busy shooting a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, there's there's professional, and then there's professional and nice, and uh, it's always it's always great when they're they're the uh, the second one. Yeah, I'm pretty nice and but wildly unprofessional. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the problem. It's really hard to find both in one person. So when you do, cherish it. Do you remember? This is my question number two. Do you remember? the character you played on an episode of late night with Conan O'Brien in the year 2006. Yes. Actually this, this just made its rounds around Twitter. Someone tagged me in a video and I watched it. It was my first paid SAG acting job. Uh, I mean, my first SAG acting gig. So it felt real and it was like a real amount of money. I played the bully. According to uh, your IMDb page, Wedgie. Bully. Oh, yes. Wedgie Bully. <laughs> yes. I carried Conan's then assistant uh, who was getting, uh, you know, a free uh, payday from his boss. I carried him out by fake wh- tidy whiteies because it was like uh, the Wedgie Bully was he was a superhero that get he, he didn't he didn't have to walk because he could be carried by his underwear. But. I rewatched that clip recently and there's a lot of, it's all just dumb puns of characters to Matt because then the X-Men movies coming out at the time, but I look completely fucking different, but it's got a lot of those guys. It's got a lot of uh, some of the oldies and goodies in there, but this one character, Shoeverine, which is just Wolverine <laughs> with dress shoes on his hands. Oh my he has, God. and I forget which, uh, act, uh, which one of the writers is playing him. I feel like it might be Coleman. I could be wrong. And he's got a wife beater and like Logan hair and it looks, he looks good. And the pun just <laughs> stuck in my head. I like no one else remembered that sketch. It felt like, because I just, I only remembered it because it was the first time I ever did anything on TV. So I was just like, shit uh, besides little best week ever bits, uh, which me and Doug can remin- uh me and DB can reminisce about another time. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, I remember just like thinking about it all the time. Shoeverine, man, that was really funny. And no one, and like just having this one reference that wasn't that good, but burned in my head. And then when the video went around Twitter recently, I played it and I was like, holy, it brought back so many, so many memories. Dan Gore is in it as a, like the, speaking of Brooklyn nine, nine creator, he, and the director of the episode, I guess started, he's in it as a doctor for a character named Gynoblast, which is oh shooting babies out of, and it's Margot Lightman, a storyteller teacher here in LA, who's uh, spraying babies out of her vagina. Gynoblast. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be forgetting Gynoblast or Shuverine either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <They're... laughs> I love Shuverine. I'm kidding. It's not big with that. Uh, <laughs> 
And by the way, uh, you are should pop out of his fingers. He should set a knife. Should be shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Doug, you get the next question. All right. And by the way, uh, see, you you caught yourself. You started to say Doug, and then he switched to DB. So you are professional and nice. Uh, yeah, he's doing great. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Number, That's all I want in life. <laughs> number two for me, because you were in what we do in the shadows. Hell. Uh, if you were to be attacked, I guess if you had to be attacked by one, either a vampire or a werewolf, which would you choose? Oh, shit. I would choose, uh, I would choose werewolf, personally. I just think it's more on brand for me. I like the outdoors. I think I, I, you know, I like the daytime. I like the outdoors feels more manageable for like, you know, a few days a month to be stuck as a wolf and feel True. the urge to kill and, you know, rip your clothes off and all that shit. And then, oh, excuse okay. me, and then have the other 28 days to just be a normal guy who maybe has some of that, like, machismo benefits that come with being like, you know, the Taylor Lautner abs or whatever that come along with <laughs> low key being a werewolf. And silver bullets are probably pretty hard to come by. Yeah. <laughs> a little easier, uh, definitely harder than wooden steaks for sure. Or garlic. garlic. <laughs> yeah. I can't actually, I can't become a vampire cause I'm too much of an Italian American. I can't give up. <laughs> I can't give up my fucking broccoli Rob, bro. Uh, well, so point of order, Melly Mel. Yeah. Uh, when you say attacked by a vampire or a werewolf, I was assuming that attacked uh, could could be to the death and not not necessarily to the transformation into uh, oh, wow. a werewolf or a vampire. A lot of times they just kill just to just to kill. That's true. Fuck, yeah, I, I kind of I, I was kind of thinking about that initially, but I, I I'm I, wondering which attack. Because also, how do you become you become a werewolf if one of them scratches you or something? Is that is that really a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I you know <laughs> through the years the rules of lycanthropy have changed dramatically. From they really <laughs> have. <laughs> I do like the idea of in D and D and a lot of other like you know things that feature monsters lycanthropes other than werewolves like where you could be like a werebear or like a were seal like the idea that you turn into a different animal when it's a full moon but it's not a wolf necessarily like that sounds fucking exciting well, that's what the were part means is that you turn into something i think so like i were a wolf now i'm a human right <laughs> or we're wolf okay now we're human yeah. like that classic uh, young frankenstein joke werewolf they're wolf um that was great <laughs> uh Number really fun about that was i taika directed the pilot of what we do in the shadows like right after you know doing thor you know like and it was like got getting to be directed by him and jermaine who directed it and wrote it together or uh, jermaine wrote it and they directed it together it was such a fucking treat and also it was just i got to dr drive down to long beach uh that takes place in new york so i it's acting i'm comfortable with is pretending to be a dock worker from staten island that's my voice already so i'm in my confidence now i'm uh, working with matt berry and taika watidia and fucking uh jermaine clement it was such a fucking it was awesome <laughs> it was such a cool experience and that 
and Brooklyn nine, nine and bombshell all happened in the same year for me. And yeah. I hadn't like had that much mainstream work ever, even though it's one day on each to me, it, like they come out near each other. And I, my family's like, my son is actually an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Very Good year. exciting. What do we do in the shadows is uh, you were in the pilot. I'm in the pilot. Yeah. Uh, and why before, is it? It says like you're in a second episode as well in your on your IMDb. Uh, and I sh- I have to thank the producers of what we do in the shadows for that because they showed a flashback in in this episode two yeah. to the but also that meant at the time that I just got another day rate like and so yeah. at a time when I was not getting that much work to get like just a sec a second surprise check. They also you know, act like they need your permission. Yeah, they don't. They're like, they just, hey, do you mind if we put you in the show again and send you more money? Is that yeah. okay? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, and I don't have to shoot again. <laughs> Wait, yeah, this is the this is the best. Wow. So I, uh, it's that that's really exciting. Like I, that was like part of the fun, and that, and also now it looks like two credits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought I really <laughs> thought you were in two episodes because I just you know I saw one was pilot and then the other one I don't. You know, no way. I technically, I technically, yeah, man. If I was earlier in my career, I would definitely be talking about how I did two episodes. But now series, I like series regular. Exactly. Uh, I'd be like, I recurred in season one of what we do in the shadows is how I would phrase that. <laughs> yeah, but now they, I'm like have humility and understanding of the business that I would not do that. Did they kill you in it in the episode? No. So the the dock worker, the war warfinger, a word I had never seen, but until I got the script, uh, warfinger. Oh, I thought that was your name, but that's the profession, Warfinger. I guess maybe it's a Kiwi phrase or something that, you know, maybe that's what they call it in New Zealand. Uh, Yeah, so uh, he's still alive. And if they ever get shipments from the old country to Staten Island, I could come back. But now they shoot in (laughs) Toronto. So they're they're just going to get some Toronto meathead to play a different different Warfinger. There was like, uh, you know, several months ago, I got to, you know, put an audition on tape for, for that show. And uh, I was so excited, but also the, the downside, which I would have accepted, was that uh, if, if I had gotten a part, I would have had to fly to Toronto and then just spend 10 days in a hotel room. <laughs> and then and then start then spend several more you know however many more days actually working on the show um, but i didn't get it anyway but it's still i was I, I was totally willing to do that just just because i love that show so much yeah and i'm totally willing to do that again just because i love that show so much and i'm married so yeah. i i would love 10 days in a hotel alone <laughs> at month 13 of the pandemic <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I, I, that's, there's another layer of desperation, all my auditions lately in that I'm like, please let me have to quarantine in Vancouver for a week or something. <laughs> please let me get, just look at different walls for 10 days, please. You just mentioned the subject of my next question, which is, uh, what is your, you, you have like one line that you say to Charlize Theron in uh, bombshell <laughs> uh what what is uh, my question is what is the line and then also followed up with why would anyone say that yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> you are a hundred percent correct <laughs> <laughs> i i i i either say uh 
I say we love you, Megan, or hang in there, Megan, or something like that. Oh, like, yeah. We did a bunch of takes. I have no idea why. A, and it, here's a little, you know, inside baseball, a little. My dad worked for Fox 5 uh, in New York as a stagehand uh, behind. Like, so I actually grew up like sometimes going with him to work and standing just off set during a news shoot. So I have like a weird part of my childhood and now I'm playing a Fox sound guy. My, <laughs> my dad was lighting yeah. and I'm just like, this is such a weird, I'm like channeling and it feels so weird. My, my deceased father. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like pretending to be my dad in this scene in such a weird way. And all these things my dad would tell me when I was a kid would be like, Johnny, you keep your mouth shut. You stay out of the eye line. All right. I'm like, what's I, if they could see you, if you could see them, that's bad. Cause they'll look at you and you don't want that. And like learning. And he's like, you don't want the water to be too cold when you, cause I've filled the waters for them as, as like my dad would give me a little task on the commercial and be like, you got to go out and fill everyone's water. But Karen likes it, you know, room temperature so that you can't just do cold water. And I would be like, yes. And like running. And now I'm like, you know, getting paid real money to pretend to do that in the field I want with Charlize Theron, who then has to, choke up talking to me <laughs> so, <laughs> so i am so fucking nervous i'm never in tv or movies ever and then on top of it i'm never in dramas like it's always i'm, a, I'm very confident if i have a funny line i won't blow it for you like that's like the <laughs> level of actor i'm good at is like i understand the joke in this i will not let it fall out of my tone uh drama is a whole other story <laughs> <laughs> We're like, I'm like trying to talk to her in between takes like because I here's the, I'm supposed to I'm a sound guy so I'm supposed to put her mic on at the start of the scene and then walk off behind and I'm like we're with you Megan but they're like just fix her mic before and <laughs> Jay Roach the uh, very cool guy who was direct direct that movie comedy guy was like hey these guys they actually kind of like I was so nervous to like be near Charlize and touch her in any way that he, he was like, if you look at this take on camera, your hands are visibly like a foot away from her and you're pretending <laughs> to move a microphone. Around. Like, I was doing like uh Harold, uh, like improv UCB level. Of, he's like, you got to like touch the microphone or something. I'm like, how do I cut? If it was a, anyone else, I'd be like, Hey, so I got to touch the microphone. Weird, huh? Instead Charlize Theron. So I try to be like, She's like, I don't know if I'm getting the character. And I go, for what it's worth, you sound just like, for what it's worth to, for me, you sound just like the character. And I'm kind of like trying to make small talk and I lean on the desk that she's sitting at, but it's on wheels because it's a new, and I just push the whole fucking thing off. Papers fall off. I hit a makeup woman like in the gut, not hard or anything, but they're like props. Everyone needs to come in. I'm like, oh my, I just tried to talk to my co I'm so nervous. And then now, the whole time I'm standing next to a camera where you know you're not supposed to say anything in real life and I'm supposed to say one line, but I'm, I'm fucking emotionally disassociating. So I, oh, we're with you, Megan. And then, I, you know, when like a director sometimes like is not positive how to do it, he'll give you a shit ton of chances. And I don't know if I was blowing it for Jay Roach or if he needed to figure out what it really was, but I did it so many times that I started getting my head even more. It's like, oh 
my god, you're fucking this whole movie. And then when I saw it in the final <laughs> cut, it's five. It's not even five seconds. It's like 1.8 seconds and it's fine <laughs> and it's not important. But the way I felt during it is so not comparative to the final product. It's so crazy. <laughs> like thinking back, because I was talking to my wife about it on the drive home. She's like, that's so cool. You're in that movie. I'm like, I can't believe how much I went through emotionally that day <laughs> for what that ended up being. <laughs> uh, you know, the best thing that Jay Roach has ever done. What's that? Uh, getting married to Susanna Hoffs. Yes, dude. That's the first time I met her. Is Susanna Hoffs did monologues at ASCAT like five years ago, four years ago. And she was talking about this dorky film professor boyfriend turned <laughs> lover turned husband that she would in her monologues. And then afterwards she introduced us to her. She's like, this is my husband, Jay. And I'm she's like, and I'm like, you're the film professor dork guy. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, He's like a Hollywood director, and I like only the uh, the Bengals could refer to him as some film dork. Like, yeah, he's the dork. I like. He's a he did Austin Powers. Powers. The yeah. most, the, one of the biggest international comedy successes <laughs> of all time. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, she's great. Uh, whose turn is it? Is it my turn? Uh, think me. You just did number three. Yeah, you're right. It's your okay. turn. I just I've got to ask him more questions. <laughs> I've got a bombshell meets action boys question. Hell yeah. Do you think John Lithgow was a better villain as Roger Ailes in Bombshell or Quaylen in Cliffhanger? Oh shit. I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say, he's good as Roger Ailes. He's disturbing. But if we're Very. going John Lithgow villain rankings. I'm going to blow your mind a little bit with my controversy with con controversial choice here. The what's his name in cliffhanger? I, I wouldn't have been Quaylen. Quaylen. He is amazing in cliffhanger. And that's <laughs> my favorite movie villain role of his. But above that is season three of Dexter. He's the Ooh, bad guy for that yeah. season. And he is or season four. He's absolutely terrifying and so good in it. Um, and then number three is the Italian evil scientist from Buckaroo Banzai as my third favorite, <laughs> um, John Lithgow, bad guy. And then fourth being our, our the aforementioned Roger Ailes. Wow. I, I love that you had that so mapped out and you answered it immediately without I, knowing the question. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Lithgow, especially as a villain because of that Dexter season. And then we, we did cliffhanger like a couple of months ago for action boys. So it's so alive in my, and, and we did Buckaroo Banzai a couple of months before that. So there's so movies so fresh in my cliffhanger is such, we didn't know what we had. Like the fact that we at all mocked that movie because Stallone has a weird voice when it came out. That movie <laughs> is so much better than shit that is coming out nowadays. Like, and I can't believe we we're like cliffhanger gets like chided or derided. Uh, I don't know why that rhymed. It kind of holds up a little bit. It I, holds yeah, up. I, I always found that cliffhanger was uh, it just had tonal issues because you know, the very first sequence in the movie is very well shot and traumatic uh, death scene. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And very soon after that, people are like, you know, really kind of joking around, acting like they're just in a, a lighter movie than that. Yeah. De John Lithgow is in a movie that does not feature the opening sequence for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but also, I don't know, I need to see it again, but I, I'm a big, uh, I, I just, I like Rennie Harlan's uh, entire 
oeuvre. Yeah, I like the so, like, even the movies that everybody th- th- thinks he did that were terrible. Uh, I there's something about them I enjoy. Like I I, I think he was really more talented than he, than he uh, you know he should have gotten more credit for being talented. And now he's sort of relegated to like when his name pops up directing a movie, you kind of go, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, uh, but he made yeah. some like he made movies that had fucking size and weight to them. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like whether it was schlock or like deep explorations, it was always like it had fucking meat on the bone. Die Hard 2. Uh, what's the Gina Davis? I mean, he did Gina, yeah. a few D- Gina Davis oh, movies. Long Kiss Goodnight. Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes, yes. Like yeah. those are fucking movies that were huge in my childhood. Yeah. When Cliffhanger was not easy to film with all the, the, the actual cliffhanging like that yeah was no it, it's a fucking testament and like the lack of fucking green screen and shit makes it so exciting yeah i think he hires you know he's good at hiring actors who can get the job done uh you know so he doesn't have to do, you know direct the acting per se he can focus more on the yeah uh, the action and I, uh, I can see that for sure you know and uh that whole romance with Gina Davis and, and then Cutthroat Island, sort of like uh, that seemed to be uh, what kind of slowed his career down quite a bit. But Ooh, I haven't seen Cutthroat Island in forever. That's it's got quite that terrible. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the nicest thing to say. But it reminds me a lot of like do you know, you know how uh, Waterworld's not terrible. Yeah, I love Waterworld on a, on a recent rewatch. I, I was like. Yes, you might like Cutthroat Island if you watch it again. <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny watching movies that I thought were dumb when I was a kid. And now I'm like, oh, this is so such a uh, as an adult rewatching all these movies for Action Boys. And, and, you know, as I become my taste expands, like I was so grossed out by 70s cinema as a kid of the 80s because it would be like, oh, it's like yellow. I don't want to watch this movie. It doesn't look like Transformers or whatever. So I like missed out on a lot of these movies that were on TNT a bunch as a kid like and Westerns because they like also dusty and yellow. And now I'm like rewatching all these movies or seeing them for the first time. And I'm like, oh, we had it so good. And I can't believe I was like mad that this was boring or whatever. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> Does add an extra level though to look at anything through the lens of I'm going to be speaking about this and also trying to uh, be amusing in, in in the process. True. So it's it's very fun to whether you're doing it live while the movie plays or uh, after the fact. There's just something about there's just so much to skewer. And for the most part, when you're making fun of something that happens in a movie, you're not. It's not really a vicious attack on any, anybody in particular. No, no. It's usually it's not like a it's not like a creative taste choice you're roasting. Usually, it's like a just funny happenstance of the movie or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm I I'm like not at the point where I like movies so much just that the process of watching one is like more enjoyable than most choices, most things I could do in my life. So like just even a bad movie, it's like it just feels good to watch a movie. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. frequently I'm just like i know people use that expression like for pizza and blowjobs it was like a hack joke right it's like hey at least it's a blowjob you know it's like for a movie and especially in the quarantine if i can if a movie can eat my attention for a hundred minutes like hold it where i don't look at my phone or pause yeah. and get stressed then i'm fucking happy and yeah. like, i don't even care if it didn't if it had my attention the whole time because it was howard the duck you know <laughs> like i'm like what is this shit like whatever the reason is i'm just happy to you know disappear into it 
Yeah, it was a good time for movies and also a good time to say that we didn't we didn't get through all 10 questions. <laughs> yeah, we, we knew that was coming. We, we did. We had a pretty strong feeling. But I'm also <laughs> thinking, Doug, it might be fun to save the questions we don't get to with guests. And when we have 10 of those, just that'll be the next guest just gets those questions. Oh. <laughs> they just have to go, uh, speculate about... Uh, you know, things that we wanted to have. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but this has been such a fun hour. It's so great to talk to you and people should check out uh, the flagship High and Mighty podcast. <laughs> and then also, so people are, are uh, Action Boys is exclusively on Patreon. Yeah, but we have, we have uh, a feed on wherever you get podcasts. Uh, for unlocked and loaded which is like the 10 episodes from behind the paywall just to give people a sniff you know how many episodes have you done at this point uh howard the duck which is coming out on this coming monday is our 200th episode Ooh. of the patreon why, am, uh, why do i why am i sitting here going he's got a new podcast <laughs> oh hey i how whatever makes i think you i think we just you just got hip to it when i recently mentioned it on doug loves movies and you were like uh you know the name is catchy if you like that subject matter but yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you um uh, you do lead with it on your uh, twitter page i think is where i got the idea that it was uh it, it was newer than uh yeah i thought but it you, was pretty recent you know the economics of promotional it's like promote the patreon even more than high and mighty even exact like you know what i mean the patreon is the best version of like selling a ticket to your show and getting a cut of the profit that that we found in the comedy business i feel like yeah if you like somebody in comedy and they have a patreon and you can afford it it's really a great way to uh you know keep the comedy coming and you know keep uh you know because uh, even though they, uh, some comedians may already have money, you know, they may not need the money per se, but they, they certainly need to, uh, they need the validation. Express themselves <laughs> feel, like feel like they're earning their keep, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Doug Mellor, uh, do you have anything to, uh, promote? I wasn't going to promote the album again, but because John's on and he's all about the action, I'll plug Fart Safari 3, Fart Hard with a Vengeance again, just because it's got the Die Hard theme. Yeah, he uh, names all of his, uh, or a bunch of his albums after the Die Hard titles. Yeah, there's Fart Safari, Fart Safari 2, Fart Harder, and Fart Safari 3, Fart Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, and he's got the, <laughs> he's got the next two planned, as you can imagine. <laughs> live fart or die for yeah, fart? Live for your fart yeah, hard. It's like, where do you put the fart? It becomes a real <laughs> yeah. choice, an artistic Sophie's choice. <laughs> Dude, you're uh, great. Uh, it was so fall. fun talking to you guys, and nice, nice meeting you, Melly Mel. You too, and man. DB, yeah. always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Um, I was going to say that on February 12th, uh, I'm taking part of, in a uh, benefit for the uh, Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, a comedy club uh, like all the other comedy clubs in the country that's uh, you know struggling right now. And so we're doing, uh, Jeff Tate put together a little uh, lineup uh, benefit to uh, raise money for them. That's on February 12th. Cool. And, uh, you know, you can find it. Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase Benefit. 
John Gabris, thank you. Oh, you thank did you a voice. Uh, you are, you've uh, been a voice on uh, American Dad. Correct. So uh, I was thinking about <laughs> calling this episode uh, American Doug. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With an exclamation point, because American Dad has an exclamation point in the, in the title. I think people knowing that I said one line that maybe wasn't edited out by the stable man in one episode of American Dad might be able to make the connection. <laughs> I like the more obscure or subtle or however you want to describe it, the better. As always, American Doug. <laughs> Got it.